Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It was five days before Christmas. He didn't want to celebrate Christmas at all because he was afraid of not being here. But I kind of made a point of trying to make it normal and just celebrate it a few days before. The day before, we actually exchanged gifts. We were kind of preparing for the possibility that he might go. We were prepared for the worst, but hope for the best. This is A Bit of a Stretch, the podcast. I'm Chris Atkins and I'm a filmmaker who was jailed for tax fraud in 2016. I got sentenced to five years, served two and a half, and I've written a book about my time in Wandsworth Prison, also called A Bit of a Stretch. In jail, I met loads of fascinating characters, and since I got out, I've recorded over 20 conversations with ex-prisoners. Their stories are heartbreaking, uplifting, funny, shocking, and often downright weird. The names have been changed, but their voices are real. They'll take us headfirst into the worst prison crisis in history and reveal a broken system that is failing victims and the wider public. Each episode is centred around a different theme, and this one is all about romantic relationships. You'll hear how two different couples tried to keep the flame alive across the prison walls. You've already heard from Lucy, whose boyfriend was still inside when we recorded our conversation. The other story is told by Gary, who shared a cell with me for three months in Wandsworth. When I got arrested, we had India booked. And in my head, I was going to propose to her there. So it was like, right, do this job, get this amount of money, change X amount of rupees, go to India, get a ring, propose beginning of the life it really was one last job it re- well hmm. unlike a lot of offenders Gary has always been honest about his guilt he was a low level cannabis smuggler and would fly from Barcelona to Dublin with a suitcase full of weed I tried to book the flight numerous times in the hotel room and it wouldn't go through I got the bus to the airport. I thought, they're going to let me book it at the desk. I got there, and they still couldn't do it there. And I thought, maybe the universe is telling me not to get on this flight, do you know what I mean? They call your gate, you queue up, you go through, you're on the plane, you order your beer, you're reading your book, having a beer, thinking, I'm halfway there. 50% of it's done, it's a relief. 
at this point I'm thinking... Oh, is your heart pounding? Are you sort of... No, I'm chilled now. And then when I got to Dublin, I got my case. And I've bowled straight over. And he's just stopped me and said, excuse me, sir, where have you come from? Who's this? The customs officer. And at this point, I'm looking around thinking, can I run? Can I get away? Is there a chance of me getting away out that door before they can catch me? So you felt now the, the collar's on? Oh, I knew. Well, of course, he wants to look at your case, doesn't he? It's game over. He just said, put your case on there, opened it, and a lot of key fell out onto his toe. What fell out? Probably about a kilo fell out, rolled out of the bag onto his toe. <laughs> Why? Because it was packed in so tight? Oh, it's packed in tight, yeah. I think you say in the book, you couldn't get a pair of trousers in there, do you know what I mean? I think he said to me, what's this? And I said, well, what do you think it is? And he said, looks like drugs to me. I said, yeah, it's a big bag full of weed, and you've caught me red-handed. You were in a relationship with someone at the time you went away. Let's give her a name, Sophie. Sophie will do. And was it ever discussed with her that this was an eventuality, given what you were doing? Nobody knew nothing, let's just say that. Right. You don't talk about it all the time. You don't want to bring it on yourself, do you? What, to acknowledge that it's, that's the risk? You don't go around talking about it, shouting about it. There's a certain sort of, like... Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, totally, yeah. She was the first phone call from the um, police station in Dublin. I called her straight away and said, I've been caught. How'd she take it? I can just remember her crying on the phone, in tears... Fits of tears, like, just bawling her eyes out, like, rivals as well, to be honest. Gary and I laughed a lot when we shared a cell together. We became really good friends. He talked about Sophie all the time. And I always wondered what it was like for the women waiting on the other side of the prison walls. So we're going to look at another relationship tested by extreme separation. Lucy spoke to me while her boyfriend, Roland, was still in prison after being convicted of stealing from his employer in December 2019. Because when you have a sentencing date, every day was one day less. And sometimes days just went so quickly. We wanted to know what we were facing, but at the same time we didn't want that day to come because that would mean that everything would change. We watched Star Wars the night before. (laughs) Star Wars? Yes. He's big, big on Star Wars, and I had never watched it before. So I made a point of watching the whole of it before he went. The judge came back. He reduced the thing to two years, but didn't suspend it. How did you feel? What was your reaction when he said that? I I literally started sobbing in the courtroom, which was a bit awkward. They left us some time to say goodbye, so they didn't just usher him out. It was like very dramatic movie kind of scene. We just put our hands on the glass. That's like E.T. It's E.T. with Eddie. I'm trying to think what movie it is. I thought about Star Trek when Spock is dying. Wrath of Khan, of course. I was just very worried about his mental health and just being away from us, not knowing who he was mixing with. You know, you just, you can't, you don't know. It's the not knowing that scares you. You can only imagine things and, of course you tend to imagine the worst things. He called me at 10 in the evening. He was laughing and he was just talking to his cellmate and he was just telling me he had a kettle, he was watching TV, but he didn't have a remote. 
Oh, so he called you from the cell? Yeah, he had a phone in his cell. They thought he would just be crying, panicking, not knowing what to do with himself. And he was just there laughing with this guy, just trying to make the most of it. After that initial phone call, there is a desperately long wait for the first visit. Gary pled guilty to his crime straight away and was told that he could face up to eight years inside. A few weeks later, Sophie flew to Dublin to visit her boyfriend in Cloverhill Prison. How was that when she came to see Emotional, obviously. Very emotional, Chris. In um, Cloverhill, it's behind a glass screen. So like in the American movies? It's... Yeah, it's, an Ameri- it's a big, American, it's a big uh, plastic screen. Was there a phone? Yeah, he's talking on a phone. Oh my God, I never knew that. That's terrible. Yeah. And the noise, I can remember the noise, you know, like, because you're in, like, a corridor with 15 other prisoners all talking to their family the other side and, and next to you. So you're, like, struggling to hear what the, what your family member's saying. But you're just looking at them and you can see on the look on their face, it's like, fuck, this is horrible. I feel like a terrorist or something. Jesus. It's, it's pretty hardcore, yeah. And presumably you knew that what you were saying was all being... Listen to the thought goes through your head. Am I going to implicate myself? Or yeah, am I yeah. saying something now that they'll use against me? Can't be open. You can't be hundred percent open now. Visits were so weird emotionally. Sometimes I'd finish a visit and I'd be so happy. Sometimes I'd come back from a visit and I'd be devastated. If things were a bit emotional, mm. then it's horrible, isn't it? It takes fucking a week to get over it. Most of the time, truthfully, you'd walk back onto the wing elated, buzzing that someone's come to visit. Visits are a big deal for inmates. They can make or break your week. But I only ever experienced visiting from the inside. And I really wanted to know what it was like for the people coming in. Lucy's boyfriend was first incarcerated in Wandsworth, my old home. One cold December morning, she got in the car and drove down to South London. I still have nightmares about the first visit. It was the most stressful thing I've ever been through, even more stressful than the actual sentencing. I didn't get any sleep before going there. What time was the visiting slot? Nine. I left the house around four-ish, just to make sure I was there on time. I mean, I didn't find any traffic. And what did you think when you walked up to the outside? I had to take a minute when I saw the building from outside. It was still really dark. Prisons aren't supposed to look inviting, but Wandsworth is like something out of a bad horror film. When I arrived, I couldn't see much as I was squinting out the back of a Serco van, which is probably just as well. It's a huge, imposing Gothic structure which is visibly falling apart after years of neglect. Right, so he's in there. I don't like it. I don't really want to go in there. I don't think I've actually grasped what was going on until a couple of months later, really. Even now, if I think about it, I remember it so clearly. He was sitting at the top left table with his orange bib, And as soon as he saw me, he literally just opened his arms and screamed my name. And started crying on the spot. The first visit was very reassuring because he seemed not not happy, of course, but... 
relieved. We knew that he was okay. He said that he was seeing it as a very shitty Airbnb. With Christmas and everything, we didn't really get to hear from him at all. And what were you doing when you were sitting at home on Christmas Day? I was just so, so sad. I didn't want to eat anything. I was lucky that my mum was over. She just fed me carrots and fennel for two, three days because I didn't want to eat anything. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. After the initial shock of separation, things then quickly settled down to a new normal. Visits every couple of weeks, phone calls whenever possible. At the start, Gary was facing an eight-year sentence, and his instinct was to quickly end the relationship. At first, when you're getting told you're getting seven or eight years, it's like, I can't expect somebody to wait for me that long. So I was like, look, let's split up, go your own way, you've got your life to live, like... And how did she react to that? She was very supportive, actually. Yeah? Yeah, very supportive. I'm thankful for that, because I needed that support in there, you know. So she didn't entertain... She didn't entertain splitting up, no. And that helped you, that she gave that sort of a vote of confidence in you? Yeah, definitely, yeah. It can't be easy for her. No. She's got to face everybody on the outside, and... Because you're also impacting other people's lives and you're sat there thinking, like, I'm going through this, but I'm also putting them through this. I wish I wasn't... I wish they'd just leave me alone, but then I want them. And then It's hard having a loved one, a, a, a missus on the outside. Sometimes it's horrible, especially, I mean, where... You're looking at a photo on the wall every day. You prepare yourself for it on the phone call, maybe, sometimes as well. How do you mean? Well, you just get a weird feeling. That she's going to ditch maybe, you? Or... Maybe, or should I do it? Mate, you've got so much time to think. You're staring at a ceiling. In a little cell. 
It's a harsh environment. There's not much sympathy going on, is there? But why do you think yours did last the course? I mean, look at me, Chris. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, she and me wanted to be together. It's very simple, isn't it? I mean, like, we wanted to have a family. When I was in Wandsworth, I worked as a listener, which is basically an in-prison counsellor. One of the most common reasons for people needing to talk to me was the deterioration of their relationships with their wives and girlfriends. I'd always been really the provider for the family and I felt as though I was abandoned. So that was a tremendously low part of this journey. This is Dan. He got nine years for his part in a huge biofuel fraud. I knew that she had an enormous amount to deal with. You know, she'd effectively lost her husband out of her life for a huge chunk of time. She had five children to support. So how long was it before they came to visit? It was probably a couple of weeks. All at once or? Yeah, all at once. You weren't allowed to hug them or sit on your knee or? No. It was almost like having a glass wall in front of me. I could see them, I could hear them, but I couldn't interact with them in the way that I wanted to, in the way that I desperately wanted to. Unfortunately, um, my wife decided to divorce me during my prison sentence. That, that I, I took pretty hard. I lost a huge amount of self-worth. I'm not using your real name, let's say you're Dan. Did you lose your sense of Danness? That sense of who I am? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of what I was, was Dan, the family man. I felt that, you know, I was always kind of working towards the end where I'd be back with my family. And then obviously when I heard the news that that was her plan, I think that's quite possibly the lowest I've ever felt in, in my life. There's no getting round it. Prison destroys relationships. And Dan's breakup is the painful norm. But in some ways, it's easier for people on the inside, as we were at least surrounded by people in the same situation. For those waiting on the outside, it's especially lonely, which tests even the most loving of partners. We on the outside are also serving a sentence got one of those desk calendars that you just peel the days off so you can actually see how much of the year has gone by and were you just thinking about him thinking about what's the, what could be happening to him always i still do i was his outlet of course because he couldn't talk about his feelings to anyone really we've had to have this conversation a couple of times even recently actually <laughs> just to say look just so you know, it, it can ruin my day if you bring me down. Sometimes it's nice not to just hear a lot of rants about everything that's going on, or it's nice to ask how I am or how I'm doing. A lot of negativity one day after the other can really take a toll on a relationship, so I don't want to get to that point where it's just, it's just rants. That's all it becomes, I guess. Yeah, I mean, of course, I have bad days too, but we try and cheer each other up. You basically spent January and February kind of just about getting to grips with all this. And then... We went on lockdown. When the pandemic shut the country in March 2020, it had a devastating impact on the prison system. All education libraries and gyms were closed. Inmates were locked in their cells for 23 and a half hours a day. Some weren't let out at all. But the most painful aspect of the lockdown 
was the cancellation of all prison visits. Not having a date to look forward to was really hard because you that's how you go through your prison journey, I think. You just set little milestones, things to look forward to, and that helps. You know, instead of having one big countdown in three three digits, you just have little ones. And we didn't have that. Last visit was on the 12th of March. Um, so I was like, okay, two weeks, we can do that, easy. So we're talking now what, on the 1st of July. Yeah. And the last time you saw him was on the 12th of March. Yeah. Longest time ever. Seeing a lot of other people having to self-isolate and everything, they all went on lockdown, so I felt less alone. I didn't have to make excuses for why he wasn't there for my birthday, why he wasn't there for our anniversary or so on. And it was a relief. Gary's contrition stood him in good stead, and he was sentenced to just four years. He spent 18 months in Dublin before being repatriated to HMP Wandsworth, where he moved into a cell with me. He was told that he would be released in January 2017. But a week before he was due to go home, he was told that there'd been an admin error and he'd have to serve another six months. Was there a wobble there with Sophie? When I got the extra six, yeah, she was extremely disappointed and um, starting a family was put on hold, which I think was her priority at that point in time, Mm. was like, right, let's make up for lost time, let's bang out five kids and uh, carry on as normal. And obviously I was like, oh, by the way, I've got another six months. And she was, like, furious at first. But then everybody falls in line because when you're in these places, it's mad. You can't say, oh, it's really upset me, missus, so you've got to let me out. You're not getting out, it's end of. There's no compassion. No, there's no compassion. It is what it is. There's a million other people in the system and they don't give a fuck about you. Looking back, Gary might sound fine about getting these extra six months, but as his cellmate, I can tell you that he was nearly destroyed by it. We managed to shame the authorities into quickly moving him to open prison, where he at least got more fresh air and better food. Sophie stuck by him, and when July finally came round, she flew over from Ibiza to pick him up at the prison gates. She came, picked me up, took me to KFC. That's where you went? We just got on the motorway home, but... I was thinking, like, what can I do that's normal? But we had a, a big KFC and read the paper, and, and then me and Sophie went away for a month. It was amazing. It was a little cottage with a hot tub on a beach. And then when she got back about a week later, she phoned me and said, I'm pregnant. So straight away? We worked out, it was like two weeks. So then two weeks of getting her out, you'd yeah, knocked her up? Well, don't put it like that, okay, Chris, for fuck's sake. Sorry, Rewind. So within two weeks of getting out, she was with child? <laughs> Yeah. And how did you feel? Amazing, yeah, I was loving it. And I booked a flight straight away and that was it. I was on my way back to Live Ether. Had our baby boy. How was that? Amazing, amazing experience, yeah. Beautiful. Eternally grateful. I've got a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful son. Unfortunately, me and Sophie then split up. And then I come back to England and then here I am. And I'm due to go see him soon, and that's that's as far as we've got, really. It's interesting that you'd stay together all the time when you're inside, and then you get out, and then you split up. That always interested me. Yeah, I think what happened was, 
We hadn't been in each other's company. Was it almost because you were a different person? or Different person, yeah. Definitely, different person. Had prison experience changed you then? or? Yeah, I think maybe in a subconscious way, um, prison had changed me. didn't want to just be together because it was convenient. I wanted to truly, truly be happy. I don't want to sugarcoat doing time in prison. It's pretty awful from start to finish. But it can change you for the better. A lot of my friends say I'm a much nicer person since I came out. Lucy's boyfriend was released a few weeks ago, and you'll be pleased to know they're still together. She's also been changed by the experience, and thinks it's made her much more resilient. I never ask the waiter for the bill because I feel too anxious. I never want to call someone up because I feel awkward. And now in this, I've had to call the prison. I've had to talk to all sorts of governors. Have you overcome your fear of asking for the bill now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's done wonders for my anxiety as well. After this, I can deal with pretty much everything. Lucy isn't the only one who's used the prison experience to boost their self-confidence. I'm on social media now for the first time, looking at online dating. This is Dan again. If you remember, his wife divorced him while he was still inside. He's now finally out and very much back in the game. What was your first online dating profile? Mid-40s ex-convict male with own hair and teeth seeks partner for mad, passionate, rampant sex, possibly leading to coffee and conversation. You've got approaches. I've been inundated. My message box has been absolutely full. I was fortunate that I wasn't in a relationship when I went away. But I did have a young son. The separation from him was the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with. So, in the next episode, we're going to look at the impact prison has on children, including my own. He was a vulnerable child, and you were going to miss two and a half years of his childhood, which is insupportably sad. He was just really confused. I felt I couldn't really help him. Mum and Dad had a worse time than I did. I can't think of a more intense moment, apart from, I think, giving birth. He was terrified. She couldn't sleep properly for the first year. This has been A Bit of a Stretch, the podcast. It was written and produced by me, Chris Atkins. It was also produced by Victoria Hollingsworth. The music is by Vincent Watts. Since this podcast was recorded, some of these contributors have gone back inside, some of them several times. So I've written another book to find out why so many ex-prisoners re-offend again and again. It follows a colourful cast of criminals who just can't go straight, some of whom you'll recognise from this podcast. The book is called Time After Time, and it's available now. <laughs>